Section thirty one of the Junior Classics, Volume Nine Stories of Today. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Four Room Rug by Kate Douglas Wiggin. Diadema, wife of Jot Bascom, was sitting at the window of the village watchtower so called because it commanded a view of nearly everything that happened in pleasant river those details escaping the physical eye being supplied by faith and imagination working in the light of past experience she sat in the chair of honor the chair of choice the high-backed rocker by the southern window in which her husband's mother old mrs bascom had sat for thirty years applying a still more powerful intellectual telescope to the doings of her neighbors diadema's seat had formerly been on the less desirable side of the little light-stand where priscilla hollis was now installed mrs bascom was at work on a new four-room rug the former one having been transferred to miss hollis's chamber for as the teacher at the brick schoolhouse a graduate of a massachusetts normal school and the daughter of a deceased judge she was a boarder of considerable consequence it was a rainy saturday afternoon and the two women were alone it was a pleasant peaceful sitting-room as neat as wax in every part the floor was covered by a cheerful patriotic rag carpet woven entirely of red white and blue rags and protected in various exposed localities by button rugs red white and blue discs superimposed one on the other diadema bascom was a person of some sentiment when her old father captain dennett was dying he drew a wallet from under his pillow and handed her a twenty-dollar bill to get something to remember him by this unwonted occurrence burned itself into the daughter's imagination and when she came as a bride to the bascom house she refurnished the sitting-room as a kind of monument to the departed soldier whose sword and musket were now tied to the wall with neatly hemmed bows of bright red cotton the chair cushions were of red and white glazed patch the turkey wings that served as hearth brushes were hung against the white painted chimney-piece with blue skirt braid and the white shades were finished with homemade scarlet tassels a little what-not in one corner was laden with the trophies of battle the warrior's brass buttons were strung on a red picture cord and hung over his daguerreotype on the upper shelf there was a tarnished shoulder strap and a flattened bullet that the captain's jealous contemporaries swore he never stopped unless he got it in the rear when he was flying from the foe there was also a little tin canister in which a charge of powder had been sacredly preserved the scoffers again said that the cap'n put it in his musket when he went into the war and kept it there till he came out these objects were tastefully decorated with the national colors in fact no modern aesthete could have arranged a symbolic symphony of grief and glory with any more fidelity to an ideal than diadema bascom in working out her scheme of red white and blue rows of ripening tomatoes lay along the ledges of the windows and a tortoise-shell cat snoozed on one of the broad sills 
the tall clock in the corner ticked peacefully priscilla hollis never tired of looking at the jolly red-cheeked moon the group of stars on a blue ground the trig little ship the old house and the jolly moon again creeping one after another across the open space at the top jot bascom was out as usual gathering statistics of the last horse trade little jot was building stickin houses in the barn priscilla was sewing long strips for braiding while diadema sat at the drying-in frame hook in hand and a large basket of cut rags by her side not many weeks before she had paid one of her periodical visits to the attic no housekeeper in pleasant river save mrs jonathan bascom would have thought of dusting a garret washing the window and sweeping down the cobwebs once a month and renewing the camphor bags in the chests once a year but notwithstanding this zealous care the moths had made their way into one of her treasure houses the most precious of all the old hair trunk that had belonged to her sister lovice once ensconced there they had eaten through its hoarded relics and reduced the faded finery to a state best described by diadema as regular riddlin sieves she had brought the tattered pile down into the kitchen and had spent a tearful afternoon in cutting the good pieces from the perforated garments three heaped-up baskets and a full dishpan were the result and as she had snipped and cut and sorted one of her sentimental projects had entered her mind and had taken complete possession there i declare she said as she drew her hooking needle in and out i wouldn't set in the room with some folks and work on these pieces for every time i draw in a scrap of cloth lovice comes up to me for all the world as if she was settin on the sofy there i ain't told you my plan miss hollis and there ain't many i shall tell but this rug is going to be a kind of a history of my life and lovey's wrought in together just as we was bound up in one another while she was alive her things and mine was laid in one trunk and the moths shan't cheat me out of em altogether if i can't look at em wet sundays and shake em out and have a good cry over em i'll make em up into a kind of dumb show that will mean something to me if it don't to anybody else we was the youngest of thirteen lovey and i and we was twins there's never been more'n half o me left since she died we was born together played and went to school together got engaged and married together and we all but died together yet we wa'n't a mite alike there was an old lady come to our house once that used to say there's sister nabby now she and i ain't no more alike than if we wa'n't too she's just as different as i am t'other way well i know what i want to put into my rag story miss hollis but i don't hardly know how to begin priscilla dropped her needle and bent over the frame with interest a spray of two roses in the centre there's the beginning why don't you see dear mrs bascom course i do said diadema diving into the bottom of the dishpan i've got my start now and don't you say a word for a minute the two roses grow out of one stalk they'll be lovey in me though i'm considerable more like a potato blossom the stalk's got to be green and here is the very green silk mother walked bride in 
and lovey and i had roundabouts of it afterwards she had the chicken-pox when we was about four years old and one of the first things i can remember is climbing up and looking over mother's footboard at lovey all speckled mother had let her slip on her new green roundabout over her nightgown just to pacify her and there she sat playing with the kitten reuben granger had brought her he was only ten years old then but he'd begun courting Leviche. the grangers farm joined ours they had eleven children and mother and father had thirteen and we was always playing together mother used to tell a funny story about that we were all little young ones and looked pretty much alike so she didn't take much notice of us in the daytime when we was running out and in but at night when the turn-up bedstead in the kitchen was taken down and the trundle beds were full she used to count us over to see if we were all there one night when she'd counted thirteen and set down to her sewing father came in and asked if moses was all right for one of the neighbors had seen him playing side of the river about supper time mother knew she'd counted us straight but she went round with a candle to make sure now mr granger had a head as red as a sumac bush and when she carried the candle close to the beds to take another tally there was thirteen children sure enough but if there wasn't a red-headed granger right in amongst our boys in the turn-up bedstead while father set out on a hunt for our moses mother yanked the sleepy little red-headed granger out of the middle and took him home and father found moses asleep on a pile of shavings under the joiner's bench they don't have such families nowadays one time when measles went all over the village they never came to us and jabe slocum said there wa'n't enough measles to go through the dennett family so they didn't start in on em there i ain't going to finish the stock i'm going to draw in a little here and there all over the rug while i'm in the spirit of planning it and then it will be plain work of matching colors and filling out you see the stock is mother's dress and the outside green of the moss roses is the same goods only it's our roundabouts i meant to make em red when i marked the pattern and then fill out round em with a light color but now i ain't satisfied with anything but white for nothing will do in the middle of the rug but our white wedding dresses i shall have to fill in dark then or mixed well that won't be out of the way if it's going to be a true rag story for lovey's life went out altogether and mine hasn't been any too gay i'll begin lovey's rose first she was the prettiest and the liveliest girl in the village and she had more bows than you could shake a stick at i generally had to take what she left over reuben granger was crazy about her from the time she was knee-high but when he went away to bangor to study for the ministry the others had it all their own way she was only seventeen she hadn't ever experienced religion and she was mischievous as a kitten you remember you laughed this morning when mr bascom told about hogshead jowett well he used to want to keep company with lovey but she couldn't abide him and whenever he came to court her she climbed into a hogshead and hid till after he'd gone the boys found it out and used to call him hogshead jowett he was the biggest fool in foxborough four corners 
and that's saying considerable for foxborough is famous for its fools and always has been there was thirteen of em there one year they say a man came out from portland and when he got as fur as foxborough he kept inquiring the way to dunston and i declare if he didn't meet them thirteen fools one after another standing in their front door-yards ready to answer questions when he got to dunston says he for the lord's sake what kind of a village is that i've just went through be they all fools there hogshead was scared to death whenever he come to see Levice. one night when he'd been there once and she'd hid as she always done he came back a second time and she went to the door not mistrusting it was him did you forget anything says she sparkling out at him through a little crack he was all taken aback by seeing her and he stammered out yes i forgot my handkerchief but it don't make no odds for i didn't pay out but fifteen cents for it two year ago and i don't make no use of it cepts to wipe my nose on how we did laugh over that well he had a conviction of sin pretty soon afterwards and perhaps it helped his head some at any rate he quit farming and became a bullockite preacher it seems odd when levice wasn't a professor herself she should have drawed the most pious young men in the village but she did she had good orthodox bows free and close baptists millerites and adventists all on her string together she even had one cochranite though the sect had mostly died out but when reuben granger came home a full feathered out minister he seemed to strike her fancy as he never had before though they were always good friends from children he had light hair and blue eyes and fair skin his business being under cover kept him bleached out and he and lovey made the prettiest couple you ever see for she was dark complexioned and her cheeks no other ways than scarlet the whole durin time she had a change of heart that winter in fact she had two of em for she changed hers for reuben's and found a hope at the same time twas a good honest conversion too though she did say to me she was afraid that if reuben hadn't taught her what love was or might be she'd never have found out enough about it to love god as she'd ought to there i've begun both roses and hers is bout finished i shan't have more'n enough white alpaca it's lucky the moths spared one breadth of the wedding dresses we was married on the same day you know and dressed just alike jot wasn't quite ready to be married for he wasn't any more forehanded about that than he was bout other things but i told him lovey and i had kept up with each other from the start and he'd got to fall into line or drop out of the procession now what next wasn't there anybody at the wedding but you and levice asked priscilla with an amused smile land yes the meeting-house was cram-jam full oh to be sure i know what you're driving at well i have to laugh to think i should have forgot the husbands they'll have to be worked into the story certain but it'll be considerable of a chore for i can't make flowers out of coat and pants stuff and there ain't any more flowers on this branch anyway diadema sat for a few minutes in rapt thought and then made a sudden inspired dash upstairs where miss hollis presently heard her rummaging in an old chest 
she soon came down triumphant wasn't it a providence i saved jots and rubens wedding ties and here they are one yellow and green mixed and one brown do you know what i'm going to do i'm going to draw in a butterfly hovering over them two roses and make it out of the neckties green with brown spots that'll bring in the husbands and land i wouldn't have either of em know it for the world i'll make a pattern of that lunar moth you pinned on the curtain yesterday miss hollis smiled in spite of herself you have some very ingenious ideas and some very pretty thoughts mrs bascom do you know it it's the first time i ever heard tell of it said diadema cheerfully lovey was the pretty spoken pretty appearing one i was always plain and practical while i think of it i'll draw in a little mite of this red into my carnation pink it was a red scarf reuben brought lovey from portland it was the first thing he ever gave her and aunt hitty said if one of the able grangers gave away anything that cost money it meant business that was all folderol for there never was a more liberal husband though he was a poor minister but then they always are poor without their rich there don't seem to be any halfway in ministers we was both lucky that way there ain't a stingy bone in jot bascom's body he don't make much money but what he does make goes into the bureau drawer and the one that needs it most takes it out he never asks me what i done with the last five cents he give me you've never been married miss hollis and you ain't engaged so you don't know much about it but i tell you there's a heap of foolishness talked about husbands if you get the one you like yourself i don't know as it matters if all the other women folks in town don't happen to like em as well as you do they ain't called on to do that they see the face he turns to them not the one he turns to you jot ain't a very good provider nor he ain't a man that's much use around a farm but he's such a favorite i can't blame him there's one thing when he does come home he's got something to say and he's always as lively as a cricket and smiling as a basket of chips i like a man that's good company even if he ain't so forehanded there ain't anything specially lovable about forehandedness when you come to that i shouldn't ever feel drawed to a man because he was on time with his work he's got such pleasant ways jot has the other afternoon he didn't get home early enough to milk and after i done the two cows i split the kindling and brought in the wood for i knew he'd want to go to the tavern and tell the boys about the robbery up to boylston there ain't anybody but jot in this village that has wit enough to find out what's going on and tell it in an interesting way round the tavern fire and he can do it without being full of cider too he don't need any apple juice to limber his tongue well when he came in he sees the pails of milk and the full wood box and the supper laid out under the screen cloth on the kitchen table and he come up to me at the sink and says he diademy you're the best wife in this county and the brightest jewel in my crown that's what you are he got that idea out of a duet he sings with elmiry barry now i'd like to know whether that ain't pleasanter than tis to have a man do all the shed and barn work up smart 
and then set round the stove looking as doleful as a last year's bird's nest take my advice miss hollis get a good provider if you can but anyhow try to find you a husband that'll keep on courting a little now and then when he ain't too busy it smooths things considerable round the house there i got so interested in what i was saying i've went on and finished the carnation and some of the stem too now what comes next why the thing that happened next of course and that was little jot i'll work in a bud on my rose and one on lovey's and my bud'll be made of jot's first trousers the goods ain't very appropriate for a rosebud but it'll be mostly covered with green on the outside and it'll have to do for the id is the most important thing in this rug when i put him into pants i hadn't any cloth in the house and it was such bad going jot couldn't get to wear em to buy me anything so i made em out of an old grey cashmere skirt and lined em with flannel buds are generally the same colour as the roses aren't they ventured priscilla i don't care if they be said diadema obstinately what's to hender this bud's being grafted on mrs granger was as black as an injun but the little granger children were all red-headed for they took after their father but i don't know you've kind of got me out of conceit with it i s'pose i could have taken a piece of his baby blanket but the moths never et a mite of that and it's too good to cut up there's one thing i can do i can make the bud with a long stem and have it growing right up alongside of mine would you no it must be stock of your stock bone of your bone flesh of your flesh so to speak i agree with you the idea is the first thing besides the grey is a very light shade and i dare say it will look like a bluish white i'll try it and see but i wish to the land the moths had at the pinning blanket and then i could have used it lovey worked the scallops on the edge for me my grief what interest she took in the baby clothes little jot was born at thanksgiving time and she come over from skohegan where reuben was settled pastor of his first church i shall never forget them two weeks to the last day of my life there was deep snow on the ground i had that chamber there with the door opening into the setting-room mother and father bascom kept out in the dining-room and kitchen where the work was going on and lovey and the baby and me had the front part of the house to ourselves with jot coming in on tiptoe heaping up wood in the fireplaces so'd he most roasted us out he don't forget his chores in time of sickness i never took so much comfort in all my days jot got one of the billings girls to come over and help in the housework so'd i could lay easy as long as i wanted to and i never had such a rest before nor since there ain't any heaven in the book o revelations that's any better than them two weeks was i used to lay quiet in my good feather bed fingering the pattern of my best crochet quilt and looking at the firelight shining on lovey and the baby she'd hardly leave him in the cradle a minute when i didn't want him in bed with me she'd have him in her lap babies are common enough to most folks but lovey was different she never had any experience with children neither for we was the youngest in our family 
and it wasn't long before we come near being the oldest too for mother buried seven of us before she went herself anyway i never saw nobody else look as she done when she held my baby i don't mean nothing blasphemous when i say twas for all the world like your photograph of mary the mother of jesus the nights came in early so it was most dark at four o'clock the little chamber was so peaceful i could hear jot rattling the milk pails but i'd draw a deep breath of comfort for i knew the milk would be strained and set away without my stepping foot to the floor lovey used to set by the fire with a tall candle on the light-stand behind her and a little white-knit cape over her shoulders she had the pinkest cheeks and the longest eyelashes and a mouth like a little red buttonhole and when she bent over the baby and sung to him though his ears wasn't open i guess for his eyes wasn't the tears of joy used to rain down my cheeks it was penny real hymns she used to sing mostly and the one i remember best was daniel's wisdom may i know stephen's faith and spirit show john's divine communion feel moses meekness joshua's zeal run like the unwearied paul win the day and conquer all mary's love may i possess lydia's tender-heartedness peter's fervent spirit feel james's faith by works reveal like young timothy may i every sinful passion fly oh diademi she'd say you was always the best and it's nothing more'n right the baby should have come to you perhaps god will think i'm good enough sometime and if he does diademi i'll offer up a sacrifice every morning and every evening but i'm afraid says she he thinks i can't stand any more happiness and be a faithful follower of the cross the bible says we've got to wade through fiery floods before we can enter the kingdom i don't hardly know how reuben and i are going to find any to wade through we're both so happy they'd have to be considerable hot before we took notice says she with the dimples all breaking out in her cheek and that was right true as gospel she thought everything reuben done was just right and he thought everything she done was just right there wasn't nobody else the world was all reuben and all lovey to them if you could have seen her when she was looking for him to come from skohegan she used to watch at the attic window and when she seen him at the foot of the hill she'd up like a squirrel and run down the road without stopping for anything but to throw a shawl over her head and reuben would catch her up as if she was a child and scold her for not putting a hat on and take her under his coat coming up the hill they was a sight for the neighbors i must confess but it wasn't one you could hardly disapprove of neither aunt hitty said it was tempting providence and couldn't last and god would visit his wrath on em for making idols of sinful human flesh she was right one way it didn't last but nobody can tell me god was punishing of em for being too happy i guess he ain't got no objection to folks being happy here below if they don't forget it ain't the whole story well i must mark in a bud on lovey's stock now and i'm going to make it of her baby's long white cloak i earned the money for it myself making coats and put four yards of the finest cashmere into it 
for three years after little jot was born i went over to skohegan to help lovey through her time a trial time a trial i thought i was happy but i didn't know how to be as happy as lovey did i wasn't made on that pattern when i first showed her the baby it was a boy same as mine her eyes shone like two evening stars she held up her weak arms and gathered the little bundle of warm flannel into em and when she got it close she shut her eyes and moved her lips and i knew she was taking her lamb to the altar and offering it up as a sacrifice then reuben came in i seen him give one look at the two dark heads laying close together on the white pillar and then go down on his knees by the side of the bed twa'n't no place for me i went off and left em together we didn't mistrust it then but they only had three days more of happiness and i'm glad i give em every minute the room grew dusky as twilight stole gently over the hills of pleasant river priscilla's lip trembled diadema's tears fell thick and fast on the white rosebud and she had to keep wiping her eyes as she followed the pattern i ain't said as much as this about it for five years she went on with a tell-tale quiver in her voice but now i've got going i can't stop i'll have to get the weight out of my heart somehow three days after i put lovey's baby into her arms the lord called her home when i prayed so hard for this little new life reuben says she holding the baby as if she could never let it go i didn't think i'd got to give up my own in place of it but it's the first fiery flood we've had dear and though it burns to my feet i'll tread it as brave as i know how she didn't speak a word after that she just faded away like a snowdrop hour by hour and reuben and i stared one another in the face as if we was dead instead of her and we went about that house a morning like sleepwalkers for days and days not knowing whether we et or slept or what we done as for the baby the poor little mite didn't live many hours after its mother and we buried em together reuben and i knew what lovey would have liked she gave her life for the babies and it was a useless sacrifice after all no it wasn't either it couldn't have been you needn't tell me god'll let such sacrifices as that come out useless but anyhow we had one coffin for em both and i opened lovey's arms and laid the baby in em when reuben and i took our last look we thought she seemed more'n ever like mary the mother of jesus there never was another like her and there never will be none such reuben used to call her there was a silence in the room broken only by the ticking of the old clock and the tinkle of a distant cowbell priscilla made an impetuous movement flung herself down by the basket of rags and buried her head in diadema's gingham apron dear mrs bascom don't cry i'm sorry as the children say no i won't more'n a minute jot can't stand it to see me give way you go and touch a match to the kitchen fire so the kettle will be boiling and i'll have a minute to myself i don't know what the neighbors would think to catch me crying over my drying-in frame but the spell's over now or bout over and when i can muster up courage 
i'll take the rest of the baby's cloak and put a border of white everlastings round the outside of the rug it'll always mean the baby's birth and lovey's death to me but the flowers will remind me it's life everlasting for both of em and so it's the most comforting end i can think of it was indeed a beautiful rug when it was finished and laid in front of the sofa in the fore-room diadema was very choice of it when company was expected she removed it from its accustomed place and spread it in a corner of the room where no profane foot could possibly tread on it unexpected callers were managed by a different method if they seated themselves on the sofa she would fear they did not set easy or rest comfortable there and suggest their moving to the stuffed chair by the window the neighbors thought the solicitude merely another sign of diadema's pison neatness excusable in this case as there was so much white in the new rug the four-room blinds were ordinarily closed and the chillness of death pervaded the sacred apartment but on great occasions when the sun was allowed to penetrate the thirty-two tiny panes of glass in each window and a blaze was lighted in the fireplace miss hollis would look in as she went upstairs and muse a moment over the pathetic little romance of rags the story of two lives worked into a bouquet of old-fashioned posies whose gay tints were brought out by a setting of sombre threads existence had gone so quietly in this remote corner of the world that all its important events babyhood childhood betrothal marriage motherhood with all their mysteries of love and life and death were chronicled in this narrow space not two yards square diadema came in behind the little school-teacher one afternoon i cal'late she said that being kept in a dark room and never being tread on it will last longer than i do if it does priscilla you know that white crape shawl of mine i wear to meetings hot sundays that would make a second row of everlastings round the border you could piece out the linings good and smooth on the underside draw in the white flowers and fill em round with black to set em off the rug would be handsomer than ever then and the story would be finished End of section thirty one